0: I mean, how many tattoos have you seen of Walter White to this day? I've seen several, and
1: just on you, I've yeah, seen well, several. <laughs> that was private, yeah. backstage.
0: <laughs> Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, I'm Josh Horowitz, and we're live at the 92nd Street Live with Mr. Brian Cranston. Welcome, everybody. Um, thank you guys so much for coming out uh, in New York tonight. Thanks for watching online. Thanks for watching in the distant past now on YouTube. However, however you're consuming this, I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate our guest tonight. He's a first-time guest on the podcast. Uh, he's finally come to his senses. Um, this might actually help his career, finally, because he needs all the help, obviously. Let us let me rattle off some stats, because he's a big baseball fan, so he probably appreciates this kind of thing. Uh, six Emmys, five Screen Actors Guild Awards, two Tonys, one truly impressive mustache, a second collaboration with the one and only Mr. Wes Anderson. As you just saw, Asteroid City is the new film. It is fantastic. Please give a warm 92nd Street Y welcome for Mr. Brian Cranston. <laughs>
1: Thank you, nice to see you all. Hello, hello.
0: And now we sit. And now we sit and have a civilized conversation.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Um, congratulations, Brian, on the new film. Congratulations on the mustache. Is this, is this are you just warding <laughs> this over me that I can't grow a mustache like that you, or? You
1: can't grow a mustache I'm like that? Not a chance. Uh, I, I just, I did a film in Canada recently with Alice and Janney and, and I grew the mustache I I didn't really know exactly why or how I was going to use it, but then my character is is a theatrical impresario. And so I just started twisting it and put a little wax in it and it stood up (laughs) and it was like, (laughs) it curled. And so I I went with that. And then I just let it keep growing. And when we were in Cannes with the film festival, um, my mustache got an agent.
0: Right, oh, congratulations, It's amazing.
1: It was very happy.
0: Um, it does occur to me you've probably had the most variations of every kind of hair, on the top of the head, on the face. Yeah. You've really dabbled with everything.
1: Yeah.
0: When you're, do, do most directors have a lot of say in that? Like, for instance, we're going to get to Mr. Wes Anderson, who is notoriously meticulous. Yes. Does he, like, want to know where every hair on your head is going to be before production he does. starts?
1: He wants to know every detail about everything. <laughs> and But that's why it becomes a Wes Anderson movie, because... Right nothing is left to chance. He wants to know your input. And I said, I think, you didn't see my character in there uh, for a specific reason. It's in black and white. My character is the host of a television show that is doing an expose on a theater piece. And what you're seeing there is the theatrical presentation. So then you see us in black and white. I'm like, like a Rod Serling kind of guy that presents it. And, so you had um, worked with Wes yeah. on Isle of Dogs. Yeah. I mean, that's a rewarding
0: experience, but I would think, in your heart of hearts, you're like, this is my interest. I'm now in the troop. Now I, I get to... Do-. At some point, he's going to hopefully I didn't think
1: I was in the troop until he called me and said, would you like to be in Asteroid City? Yeah. And before he can finish the sentence, I'm saying yes. Right. He didn't even tell me what I was doing. It doesn't really matter. You're, you're in the actor's company, and that's what was so great about it. There's two experiences when doing a Wes Anderson film. There's the the difficulty and challenge of doing that specificity of work, and he is very specific. The first day when I finished my first monologue, which introduces a lot of what's going on in the show, he said, uh, yes, Brian, yes, and he would push his hair behind his ear. Yes, that was quite good. Yes, yes, good, very good, very good. Um, now I just need it much, 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 much faster. <laughs> At least it wasn't better. At least it, it, no, was it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's true. That's a, there's a blessing in it.
0: You, so. You've talked about, and the actors have talked about, and maybe uh, Wes is not thrilled that The Secret is out, but about these infamous automatics that he kind of does. Um, almost like brought to life storyboards that he has voiced himself the entire film. Um, And that must present something very interesting because like, okay, you see the film, not only do you have the script, but you kind of see a version of the film, but you also see like the kind of performances he's looking for. Do you then find yourself emulating what he is doing with the character?
1: Exactly right. When you you do a Wes Anderson film, you have to um, look at your approach to the work in reverse order. Um, Usually, you start out organically and you read a script and it informs you of the ideas that you might start to begin to consider to build and you might start, yeah, all that, no, not that one. and And you start to present something to your director. With Wes, he makes this animatic of the entire movie, the entire one hour and 45 minutes, he voices all the characters and he presents it to you and he says, this will give you an idea of what I'm looking for. <laughs> and so it's actually, uh, you're working from the outside in. It's inorganic. Right. So it, it's almost as if, okay, I saw what he wants me to do. If I pull out this arrow and try to hit that moving target, that's, that's basically how you have to see if you can catch it and then pull it into you because it's, it's elusive and it's odd and it's wonderful and weird and all those things. Um, so that's the, the approach to doing one of his films is that, and you can imagine, if you're fans of Wes Anderson, uh, you can understand, just imagine reading one of his scripts. It is dense, it is so specific on every little detail, both physical, oral, and music-wise and, music wise and, think, and you're, you often have to go back and go, wait, who said that and what's, and in this, the, so I'm the announcer, the host and there's an acting troupe. So each one of the characters that you saw on the trailer is an actor playing a role of, in, that, in that play. So, each actor has two character names, right. which i have to I have to r- rattle off you know it's like it's, well, and,
0: it's, and it is like, look, I've seen the movie twice, and i I love it. I'm also not sure I could explain in, in, in entirety <laughs> in, in all honesty, but it yeah. it works like emotionally and it's just gorgeous, and the performances are fantastic. I'm curious though, for you as an actor. Do you necessarily have to understand the entirety of a movie? Or do you no. just need to know the function of, that you're playing within a scene?
1: You know, with someone, a, a true auteur, you, you have to just basically give in and, and, and realize it's a trust exercise. That for those of us who, who perform a, a specific task, in this case, an actor or a department head or a person who's in wardrobe or props or whatever, you perform your task. You create your little piece of the jigsaw puzzle, and you don't have to know what it, what that end result is going to look like. Right. And you present it to Wes. He collects them all, and you go. Only he saw the picture of the of the finished jigsaw puzzle. We didn't get a chance to see it. We just read it in a, in script form and saw it in stick figure animation. Right. And then he puts it all together. So. In some ways, it relieves you of of because well, you know because you the hear, track record. I'm just doing, doing my, my little okay. thing. <laughs> Here it
0: is. You like it? Good. Okay. Great. <laughs> Are you the type of actor that, that, for lack of a better term, chases filmmakers that you admire? Like, or I mean, you're in a rarefied position. Yes, or,
1: but it's gotten me in trouble. I have some restraining orders. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean literally chasing oh, oh, them. oh. Yeah. oh.
0: <laughs> but is that fruitful to like you know? Oh, hey, let every Anderson, PTA wes know that i 'm a fan. do you send emails? Do you have coffee? Um, does that bear fruit or is it best to just
1: i do that fly to, and wait? to an extent I, I have conversations about that if I get to I met Paul Thomas Anderson as well and, and mentioned I would love to work with him i've worked with Spielberg before and, and uh, you know there's a lot of actor, a lot of directors out there that you yeah. 'd love to work with but i 'm I'm not so com- comfortable with the the game, I guess, uh, of targeting people and going after them and making sure they, they know who I am, or I, I, I'm, I don't know. It, it, it's a comfort level there, I guess. It strikes
0: me, so Tom Hanks is in this film, and I noticed on the resume, there's a lot of Tom Hanks on the Brian Cranston resume. He's directed you a couple times, you've yeah. been in productions of his. Um, was he an early adopter on the Brian Cranston thing? Did he see, it? Did he see I something? have
1: so much dirt on Tom Hanks. <laughs> he had to hire me. Right.
0: Well, there's infamously a lot of dirt on Tom Hanks, lots, so you're not alone lots there. And lots.
1: Yeah. He's a lovely guy. I've known him for 36 years or so. Um, my wife and, and Rita Wilson are very good friends and have been since they were teenagers. Right. And so my wife was in their wedding, and that's when I got to know them. Um, that's 35 years ago or so. Wow. And, uh, and then Tom would just call. And so I've been in a, a few films with him, uh, Saving Private Ryan and uh, That Thing You Do. I was also, he called me one day. I was doing a very, um, I was doing a television show, an episode of a television show where I was playing um, an Isaac Mizrahi kind of character. Naturally, obviously. Naturally yeah. <laughs> you go for me. And uh, Tom called the, the set, and there was a lot of buzz going on, and he said, are you uh, still thin? And I said, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, yes. And he goes, uh, this is 24 years ago or so. And he said, I need you to get on a plane tomorrow and go to, um, or, go to Orlando, Florida to start shooting. Uh, From the Earth to the Moon, to play Buzz Aldrin, and uh, it was, you know, it just happened so quickly like that. That was
0: fun to do, though. So, okay, I want to, with the luxury of time, uh, hit some of the amazing markers in your career, but also go all the way back. Um, Growing up, both of your parents acted, were in the the business. Um, From your vantage point growing up, did you get a sense of Appreciation or wariness, or see the, the tough life of an actor? What was your perspective on the business, seeing it through the prism of your parents?
1: You know, when you're a boy, you don't really have a, a clear idea of what life is really like. I do remember that one year we got a new car, and then the next year we got rid of that one year old car and got a really old car. <laughs> one year they put in a built-in swimming pool in our backyard. And it was amazing. And the next year, my mother said, we can't swim because we can't afford the chemicals. <laughs> so, <laughs> 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 And it was that, I don't think at the time I was able to really understand that, only in retrospect, what that meant, and the hardship that they, they went through as a couple Live, trying to live life as as yeah. journeyman actors, you know, and it was really hard. Did they meet on a TV show? They met on a TV show uh, called Life with Elizabeth, the Betty White, with series? Betty White, <laughs> the Betty White series, and they were playing husband and wife uh, of uh, of Betty, and uh, yeah, and I have a picture of them as husband and wife. I even have a video of them. Can you imagine? In 1952, I saw my parents, who were still in their 20s at the time. Their voices were much higher, their energy was completely different, their posture was firm, and they were young. And it's funny how we forget that our parents were once young. Yeah. And I got to see that firsthand. It blows my mind to see that. Yeah. And, and really. you've talked openly about you know, the difficulties with your dad, who was
0: out of your life for a period of time. Yeah. Is this true? I mean, I, I feel like I was reading the IMDb incorrectly. Did he then later direct you? In the film? Yeah,
1: no? yeah, he was always working. Um, and my brother and I reacquainted with him after, well, I hadn't seen my father for about 11 years. And I got back to, uh, in touch with him when I was 22 and uh, said I was interested in being an actor and he was grateful to see us again. Uh, I don't know that if we didn't reach out to him, if he would have contacted us, though. So it's 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 kind of interesting how you reflect on disappointments. Yeah. And I the the when I look back on my parents now, I, I just the overwhelming, unfortunate emotion is sadness. I just think, hmm, they really they really wasted a great portion
0: of their lives. Right. You were talking about the frozen in amber or celluloid um, images of them as as, as young actors. Um, There's a lot of tape on you on the internet. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole. Is there? I mean, if you want to see some Baywatch clips, some airwolf clips, you could spend a whole afternoon with this man. Uh, You don't want to do that. (laughs) But you were a staple. You were like guest star of the week, seemingly. Yeah, I or the golfing. for the 80s and so, into some of the 90s too um, did you some of the worst television ever produced well <laughs> how dare you say that about baywatch um, no but like did, were you did you have a type were you typecast in those days were you a jack of all trades or what were you what was your identity
1: yeah i think i think you know i think the baywatch character was like drunken boat captain you know or something hey, that was my name yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when, when you first start out, you, I tell young actors this all the time, accept every job, yeah. don't look at the quality of it, accept every job and do, do the best you can. The hardest work that an actor will ever have to do as far as being proud of your work is on poorly written material. The easiest, and it's not easy, but the easiest approach is when the material is so good that you just naturally fall into it and you know exactly the guideposts of where you go and what you're supposed to do. And it's like, oh my God, Breaking Bad was like that. Right. So when you look back at like the
0: 80s and 90s. What happened? (laughs) They've seen Breaking Bad, that's crazy. (laughs) We'll get to that. I'm thrilled to tell you guys about our sponsor this week on Happy, Sad, Confused. It's HelloFresh, you know HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's of course America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh is more convenient than grocery shopping, but did you know it's also cheaper? It's also 25% less expensive than takeout, and that is huge for me because I spend way too much eating out and spending money on takeout. Plus, it's your recipe for success. From foolproof instructions to high-quality proteins and veggies, HelloFresh brings out your inner chef with every tasty, easy-to-prepare meal. Guys, we recently this is this is a standout meal. We had some beef flautas. I have never made a flauta in my life. So if I can do it, if we can do it, and it's delicious and the price is right, what are you doing? Hellofresh is there for you this summer. Spend less time meal planning and prepping with Hellofresh's pre-portioned ingredients that make it easy to get cooking quick. Go to hellofresh.com/hsc. 16 and use the code HSC16, HSC16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com/slash HSC16 and use that code HSC16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. Before Malcolm, which goes then into Breaking Bad, you were your jobbing actor. Were you happy? Like, you were making a living, seemingly.
1: Like, Okay, so parents are always teaching you um, about life. In the best of circumstances, I think it's how to behave yourself, how to comport yourself with others, mutual respect, work hard, keep your nose clean, do well and you, you'll, you'll, you know, with some luck, you'll do fine. I looked at my father's career, who did not succeed at acting, and, it, and he, it destroyed the family. He felt he needed to be a star, and that was an end result kind of thing. It wasn't about the work. It was about getting to something past the work, and he taught me what not to do. Right. In an odd way, I watched what happened to him and realized, oh, that's not what I'm gonna do. So my goal, when I first started acting, was to make a living. If I could make a living as an actor, that's my, that's it, that's everything. To this day, that is my most cherished professional achievement, is at the age of 25, I only worked as an actor from that point on. One of the shows uh, I didn't mention that you appeared on
0: a few times in the 90s was Seinfeld.
1: Um, So there's a little story behind that. Uh, We were rehearsing that scene. Uh, Nurse may have the nitrous oxide. She hands it to me. I'm supposed to just put it right on Jerry and he goes out and the rest of the scene plays out. We rehearsed the scene then Jerry goes to another scene to rehearse. I stayed on that set just to try to get comfortable with the t- instruments that I had to use and things like that. And I hear this voice saying, hey, you know what would be funny? Uh, I'm looking around, and on a ladder, adjusting a lamp, is a guy. <laughs> and I went, Did you? he goes, yeah, you know it would be funny? And I, I must say, I, I sort of paused a little bit and went, okay, guy on a ladder, uh, <laughs> what would be funny? And he said, if you took a hit first yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. <laughs> and I waited, I waited. When you see Jerry in that scene, it was, the, it was probably the 30th time we went through that scene with him. Uh, Larry David was chastising him the entire way. Because the first time I said, "Uh, may I have it? You know, And I took a hit, he bent over laughing. And I looked at Larry, and the audience cracked up. And Larry said, keep it. We're going to keep it. We're going to keep it. Jerry, Jerry, stop laughing. Jerry, stop laughing. Jerry, shut up. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. It was like, nurse, may I? And I'd say, nurse, may I? And he starts laughing. Stop. Jerry, stop laughing. And then it got to the point after the 20th take or so where we couldn't even look at each other. It was like, nurse, may I have it? And then, oh my God, yeah. So that was, that was most of my experience on Seinfeld is having to stop every now and then because Jerry laughed. Right. Are you treated to this day like royalty in a dentist office? I mean, that's hey, an iconic yeah. dentist. Don't be guy. an anti-dentite, Joe. <laughs>
0: I've been accused of many things.
1: You're a rapid anti-dentite.
0: <laughs> um, okay, I mean time is flying by. I, we, let's dig into Breaking Bad for a, a few, shall we? Um, I mean, of course, we could talk about Malcolm in the Middle. That alone is an amazing accomplishment. Um, but again, one of the series you did in the '90s, uh, X-Files. Uh, a writer named Vince Gilligan. Um, and he has you, well, I mean, the, the war is that there were some big names that, the, that AMC wanted. That, is there? Yeah, this is the war. Who knows what to believe at this what point? What are the names? <laughs> John Cusack, Matthew Broderick. In the vein, uh, I think, of, in your kind of, like, uh, vein, I think, it's Steve Zahn was somebody that was mentioned. Were you aware of you being in contention with other folks of what the, the background well, was? Well, I...
1: I, I... A thought I mean, growing up as an actor, you know, you're you're always auditioning, and you know there's other people on that right. sign-in list. Um, but I didn't really want to pay too much attention to it. Uh, I was very lucky to have met Vince on X Files, because I had just finished writing and directing my own little movie, and in in the California desert, and I was just back into Los Angeles, maybe four days, when this call came in, do you want to audition for X-Files? And I thought, oh, God, yeah, man, if I can get that, that'd be great, because I'm broke. <laughs> so uh, I did get it, and um, he liked what it was. He wrote this character in, on X-Files that was despicable, an, a, a, an ugly, venomous person, filled with anger and hate. And yet, he wanted the audience to still care for him from a basic human standpoint. And that was the seed of Walter White, is that he knew he wanted to turn that character, as he says, from Mr. Chips to Scarface. Right. And and in order to do that, he needed someone who felt he could still carry empathy with him as he's making this ugly turn. and it, it, it was, it, he's brilliant. I mean, that's, that's Vince Gilligan.
0: Well, it is. I mean, from the pilot. The pilot is genius, and it's one thing to make a great pilot. Many people have made great pilots, but to sustain it through 62 yeah. hours and through a finale that's one of the all-time greats. It's oh, an okay, astounding okay. achievement. Um, Thank you. Were, you always, were you always in lockstep with Vince on the, on the turns, on the descent of Walter White? Did you ever feel like he went too far, or there was a choice that you questioned? No.
1: No, I just wanted to make sure that it was not just a that it was an egotistical change as well, that we allowed the character to to embrace his ego and have his chest pumped out. So when when he was Walter White, I I actually thought of my dad a lot in his rounded shoulders, his age. And Walter felt like he was much older than he really was. He was 50, but he felt like he was 70. You know, he was kind of a little chubby and, and, and soft, and he had this, what I called an impotent mustache. <laughs> I wanted a mustache that you look at it and you go, either grow it out or shave it. <laughs> And so the way to do that, if any of you guys or women want uh, to find out how to get an impotent mustache, is you thin it out so that you can see the skin underneath it and never, ever let it grow past the creases of the, of the mouth. So it, that, this becomes too, you know, it's, it's kind of nasty. Uh, but, but if you want that impotent mustache, you thin it out completely and then make sure you cut it off right there and i i took all the color out of my face i i put a wash through my hair so that it was like a dirty brown no highlights i wanted him to feel invisible to himself in the world because i knew the transition was coming right and when that transition came to become heisenberg the chest came back the colors changed his mood changed for the first time he felt that he can intimidate others, he felt aggressive and manly, for lack of a better term, and, and that's where his downfall was. Right. His ego went along with that, so we explored all of that person and his, his
0: voyage. You never could have imagined what it became. I mean, like, I mean, the writing was there, but for what it became in the pop culture, and to this day, the residents, 10 years after you, you last played him for that series at least, um, I mean, how many tattoos have you seen of Walter White to the stage. I've
1: seen several, and just on you, I've seen several. That was private, Uh,
0: backstage. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, I've seen several people come with tattoos all over their bodies, backs, arms, shoulders, upper thighs, lower thighs, butts. Sure. I saw one where it was, I saw my face on someone's butt. Right. Several things went to mind. First of all, this man had a nice butt. Must admit. Got to call it out when you Had see nice it. Nice, bud. Yeah. I was also there. If you look closely, then it's like not just my face, but Larry and Mo of the Three Stooges. <laughs> and all of a sudden I got a little insulted. I went, I'm a stooge? A
0: man of infinite taste. I don't know. Um, it became such a thing that people at Comic-Con were dressing as Walter White, including this man himself. Can we see the photo of Brian Cranston as Walter White at Comic-Con? Have a photo oh, yeah. Um, so you decided to go incognito on the convention floor. A,
1: a very talented artist made this uh, this plastic or rubber uh, face. and And so I thought, well, this is the only chance I can get to put that on because of other people are in costume, so I put it on and I walked the floor, but I couldn't use my own voice um, because it's fairly recognizable now. Right. And so I went up higher like that, and I said, oh, I'm just a fan. <laughs> I sound like Michael Jackson a little bit, but <laughs> I, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Um, right.
0: Yeah. So It's kind of spooky. It me? is kind of spooky. Let's take it off the screen before we all get <laughs> um, This is gonna get a little intense. A little trigger warning, because the scene we're gonna play from Breaking Bad is is a really intense one. This is from season two, uh, Jane's death, Um, and this is. So yeah. Oh, don't
1: do that.
0: Yeah, if you you need to take a minute or whatever, you know, you understand. But this is a this is a a very powerful scene. I know you've talked about connecting with that scene through thinking about your own daughter. Yeah. Um, Did that happen prior to doing the scene? Does that happen in the moment?
1: No, I, I often, on um, in intense or emotional scenes, I often write uh, out um, the possibilities of what could happen uh, just so that I process it and put, out, put it out there so I write it down. Um, and in this case it was like, as we saw, the, the conflict of humanity and pragmatism and and control, and all those things are rushing through him. The first impulse was human. When he heard her choking, he was like, oh my God, help her. By the time he goes around to the bed, wait a minute, Don't, don't do it, now that time sets in. If I let her die, then my partner won't be influenced by her anymore, and maybe he'll live, because she got him on heroin, Um, she's a bad influence, clearly. And it's also, she's impeding our process and our progress in in our enterprise. Um, So all these things are going through and I'm writing all these things, why I should save her, why I should let her go. And one of them was, I should save her, She's, she's young enough to be my own daughter. And, um, and while Kristen Ritter was going through that and off screen, choking on her own vomit, I for an instant, her face went away and I saw the face of my own daughter choking to death. And that's when it's like, ooh. And it, you have to process yourself through it because I do believe that the body doesn't know what you've manufactured and what came naturally. Right. I, I, I put that in the universe to hap, to possibly happen. And it happened. Um, and that's what the, the emotional risk that actors go through, is you, you have to put yourself in that vulnerability. Because when you do, really wonderful things can happen. And vulnerability is the key component to, drawing empathy from an audience and so at that moment when they can see that i'm i'm torn up about this and yet i'm battling internally and then the final moment i thought was get over it you know and we it's we're starting to see walter white change harden we're starting to see him become more of a of a of a domineering force. Right. And, and that was those steps toward that. It's all there. It's well, all well, on your face. You know face. what else was interesting? Yeah. Is that this was ep- season two, episode yeah. 10 or 12, I think. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Vince Gilligan first wrote that I see her and I'm so angry at her that <clears throat> I push her on her back so that she would choked to death. And the network went, no, it's too soon. Right. <laughs> and, and Vince, to his credit, listened and said, yeah, maybe it is too soon. So we talked about it, and he came up with another scenario. Uh, and this one I thought was the best, because it was indirect. Yes, my jostling of Jesse forced her, uh, but I didn't notice what happened to her. Right. I was focused on Jesse and that movement jostled her back on her back. And so I'm indirectly responsible for it.
0: Since Breaking Bad, I mean, again, we could go into so many different things. I've seen you on Broadway, you've won the two Tonys uh, for All the Way, Yes, and Network. Um, You've been in such a varied films, Oscar nominated for Trumbo, Godzilla. What you do in Godzilla in the opening act is fantastic. Um, has it been? I mean, this is what any actor. We were talking backstage. Any actor wants these opportunities, and it came to you like in your fifties. Yeah. Um, are you in a way? I don't know. Just happy it came when it did. That maybe those opportunities in your twenties would have been wasted on you. Or I mean, are you philosophical about sort of? Wh- I don't.
1: I don't really dwell on that. I. Every time I talk to actors, I say you got to be in it for the. For the. Your entire life—it's—it's it's a relationship. It is a long-term marriage. If you're any any actor who says I'm going to give uh, I'm going to give it two or three years to see, it, I said, "Hey, I got good news. What? I go. I can save you two or three years. <laughs> How? I go. Go back to Iowa, right? And uh, right. find something else that you can do. Uh, this is not a this is not a career where you." put one foot in, you, you have to dive in, this is your life. Whatever happens, happens. And I will say that, that no career has ever been made in the arts without a healthy dose of luck. And luck is the X factor that will come on its own. You can't will it to happen, you can't, uh, you can't arrange it to happen, it, it, it'll happen or it won't on its own. But you have to be happy in, in of, your, of itself. So I was a working actor from 25 to 50, or 25 to 40, really, for 15 years making a living. We, my, my wife was an actor too, and we had a little house and a little, little baby, and we're like going, we're like any middle class family, saving our money, and then Malcolm in the Middle hit, and it's like, well, that was a that was that was a lucky break. Yeah. That was a lucky break. And, um, and I have very specific advice for actors on, on auditioning and things, and uh, I do want to tell them that, but I don't want to occupy this moment with that. Okay. Um, maybe you guys have Googled what's up with Mr. Brian Cranston lately.
0: I'm happy to report that the rumors, the reports of his retirement are greatly exaggerated, okay.
1: correct? <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now 67, and I've been working nonstop for 25 years, and I realized recently that um, I, I'm starting to run low of originality, of freshness, maybe is, is a good word, um, and, I, and I need to reset, I need to have more life experiences. I've, for 25 years, I've been going from one set to another to Broadway to London. to And working in a bubble on a television or movie set is not life experience. And we were talking backstage about, well, what is life experience? And I go, well, um, working on, on Asteroid City in Spain with all these movie stars, I could ask myself, I said, well, a life experience, then, the definition should be would anyone else experience what I just did? And it's no, no, you're not gonna be sitting at a table with, with the Scarlett Johansson and Tom Hanks and Margot Robbie. And I mean, it's like, it's, this is unusual. A little bit. A little bit unusual. <laughs> yeah, especially with Margot Robbie's eating habits. Unbelievable. Oh yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> awful. <laughs> it's gross. I mean, all Use over Use a her utensil, face, Margot. wiping <laughs> take your tie and wipes, it's like, it's disgusting.
0: You've you mentioned, you've mentioned that in 2025 there's something on the horizon that scares you that you are going to be tackling. Are you
1: are you playing Wolverine? Are you in a musical? What's happening, Brian? I'm coming back to Broadway in 2025. <laughs> and part part of what I was saying is that. I have to step into something else. I have to step into step out of my my wheelhouse. Things that I, you know, the troubled, angst-ridden <laughs> character actor. You know, it's like that guy who could who weeps. Oh, I, I I've done that guy. I know that guy. <laughs> okay, so I don't want to play that guy right now. I want to play a character and I want to be in a situation that quite frankly scares me. So I'm I'm I I I don't think I'm not allowed to mention the the name, but I'm going to do a musical. I'm going, I'm going to do it very badly. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know, I, uh, I don't know how, I honestly don't know how it'll come off, but it, it's dangerous and it scares me. And that's a, an indicator for me that, that I'm, oh, I need to touch the flame, oh, <laughs> the flame you know you know what i mean uh, that that you it, s- things that scare you aren't always something you should avoid it's something that you may be addressed to dive into and this is one of those things where i've always thought about it and it's always challenged me and i'm going to be singing and dancing on a broadway stage i will yes yeah. Yeah. I will be first in line for
0: Breaking Bad the musical. I can't believe you're doing this. It seems like a crazy idea, but weirder things have happened. I wasn't supposed to mention it. I said it. You didn't say it. Okay. you know, you see the glasses, you see the face. I'm a big old geek. You haven't done a ton of franchise stuff. You did Godzilla. I mentioned that one. Are you, like, into any of, like, the film series? Are you are you a Bond guy? Are you secretly wanting to be in a Fast and Furious movie? What's your jam, Brian? Uh, I saw that face. We all saw that face.
1: Uh... <laughs> uh don't worry, Brian. We have okay. the answers. We finally have the answer. Is this the answer? Um, it's a life, yes. Uh, I, uh, I, it, it has to interest me. I, okay. So I, I can look at a, an action film, and I can appreciate what went into it, the, the, the difficulty, the amazing uh, effects of something. Like, oh, wow, look how they did that. Wow, that was amazing, amazing, amazing and still not want to do it. Sure. Because I have to be moved emotionally in order for me to want to do something.
0: Was it all just the laziness of fan casting that they either saw this great mustache or the bald head back in the Heisenberg days that you were always fan casted as Lex Luthor or Jim Gordon? Was there ever any real conversations about playing those live action uh, characters? Not that
1: I know of. Okay. Um, I did Jim Gordon Did a voice. in, yep. in yep. Uh, the animated yep. uh, Batman thing. Yeah, okay. And, and that was fun. But, but they wasted the must. I mean, you have the I mustache. Think, you know, yeah, I think it was, I think you're right. I think it was like lazy casting. Yeah. There should be a like lazycasting.com. <laughs> and I was like, Probably whatever. it is, is. It's because I had a bald head. Who, ah, Lex Luthor. It's like, come on. <laughs> let's think about this a little bit.
0: Uh, we have some questions from our lovely audience. Sure. From James. Uh, I think it's James. My eyesight's going. If you could play any other role in one of your previous films, TV theater productions, which would it be and why?
1: Any of the other roles in
0: something I've done? Yeah, you want to be Jesse Pinkman. You want to be, you know, what do you want to play?
1: Wow, wow. Um, I got to say, I, I was able to pick the plums. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I would okay. want to do... I really would love to answer that question, but I can't think of... Uh, That's okay, we can come maybe back Maybe it'll to come, be, yeah. come Come to me. Um, maybe someone would have an idea. Yeah, of. feel free to scream. No, don't do that,
0: please. <laughs> um, how long did you consider before accepting the role of Walter White after reading the script? Is that even a consideration or is it...
1: Okay, first of all, I, I wasn't offered it. Okay, there's that. Um, I went in to talk to Vince Gilligan and... and um, It was a 20 minute meeting and I knew that I had to, I had to really lift my leg on him. I wanted to leave my scent. (laughs) I wanted him to think. This is
0: metaphorical, correct? No, this is
1: literal. Wow, Uh, the stories are true. Stories are true. (laughs) And I, I, you know, I told him those things of of what what I imagined him, how he looked and things. So I wanted to do that, but he was my champion to get it. Without Vince Gilligan, uh, Matthew Broderick is sitting in this chair right now talking to you about his days on, on Breaking Bad. Right. Um, it, it, talking about Asteroid City, what was your
0: reaction to seeing the desert scenery? Uh, was it filmed on location or on a lot? Um,
1: oh, it was, oh it was so amazing. Well, Wes Anderson um, lives in Europe, and he doesn't like to fly, so he <laughs> shoots almost everything he does on that continent. And uh, we shot the California desert, where this story takes place, in a farmland in Spain, uh, in a little city called Chinchon, which is about an hour south of Madrid, and it was a watermelon farm, a watermelon patch, and they just leased the entire acres and acres and acres, and they built Asteroid City. I have um, my own pictures of walking around, it's insane. There's forced perspective. So when you look at it, it looks like it goes for miles and miles and miles, but it doesn't. Those cactus that you see actually just get smaller
0: <laughs> as you
1: walk and they come down to about this size and it, you, you can actually walk from one end to the mountains in about four minutes. And, and it's, just, it's just amazing what he's done. The, the attention to detail in a 360 degree avenue, it's just insane the way it is. I mean, it's beautiful. What surprised you most about
0: Asteroid City upon seeing it as a finished film? I mean, you'd seen the animatics, you'd been there, but yeah.
1: seeing the final. I think what was so charming about it is that I didn't realize that Wes is, Wes is such a sweet, kind human being. Uh, that's why everybody wants to work with him, not just because of his ability to tell a story. But if he was, a, if he was an arrogant, horrible person, there'd be a lot of defectors, including right. me. Right. Um, so, but he's such a lovely guy and you, you, you want to work with him. What, what, what I was amazed about Asteroid City is that it is a, a movie about a television show that is doing an expose on a theater piece. It's his, <laughs> it's, it's an homage to performance art. He loves and adores and respects actors and i think it was his homage to that plus there what else I, I love in it there is there are existential questions is there life on other planets literally are there aliens two questions of mo- of a more pragmatic sense and that's life and some of the questions we will have answered over the course of our lifetime and many we won't many questions we have we will never know the answer to. And that's life. And one of the characters, Adrian Brody, plays the director of the play in this. And um, Jason Schwartzman comes to him and says, I just don't understand. I don't understand why my character did this. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And he says, you don't need to understand everything. Just keep putting your story ahead of you. Keep moving. And it was like, oh, yeah. That's really life itself, isn't it? We don't always understand what or why something is happening to us. Just keep moving forward, yep. keep telling your story, keep trying to be respectful and you know, spread some love. Yeah?
0: Um, the happy, sad, confused, profoundly random questionnaire for you, Mr. Brian Cranston. What do you collect, if anything?
1: Belly button lint.
0: That's darker than the Breaking Bad scene I have watched. That's...
1: <laughs> I made an afghan out of it once. <laughs> I, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not really, I, I collect memories basically. I don't, I'm not a collector of things. Okay. I don't find that as rewarding. And the older I get, the, the less things I want in my possession. It feels more like ballast. And I want to start keep shedding that less and less and less. Um, what's your favorite adult
0: beverage? Oh this gives a this is a perfect segue to to pimp out Mr. I'm drinking dos
1: hombres from Mr. Brian Cranston in our. <laughs> yes <call>. you are. <laughs> I made that cocktail for you. You
0: made this the greatest honor of my work.
1: life. What do we call this? It's the Cranstonian. <laughs> so this That's embarrassing. Um this is your
0: this has to be your favorite adult beverage and what goes into the Cranstonian?
1: Uh, well it's my uh, uh, Aaron Paul and I created this mezcal called Dos Hombres. It's now the the fourth most popular mezcal in the world, and we're so we're and it's a beautiful, beautiful spirit. Um, it's hundreds and hundreds of years old, really. Mezcal. Uh, this Cranstonian is made with uh, <laughs> with Dos Hombres and uh, a cranberry juice and apérol and fresh lime juice and shake it up. It's delicious, great summer drink. But we can make. I most people they don't really know what mezcal is, right. and I say, "Oh, mezcal. No, I don't know if I." And I go, "Do you like a margarita?" "Oh, I love a margarita." Let me make a margarita. Yeah, a smoky with mezcal. margarita, basically. Yeah, it's a little, a little smoky. Delicious, I yep. vouch for it. Um, last
0: actor you were mistaken for.
1: <laughs> uh, the the uh, um. Uh, let's see, who would that be? Um,
0: I can't remember. Have who, you ever signed a photo of someone else just out of like- I <laughs> actually
1: did. I was, um, I was nominated for a Golden Globe one year from um, Malcolm in the Middle. It was all very new to me to be in that arena. And they said, we're going right from the, from the ballroom to the after party. And we have, to, so all of us are all in a row and we're, and we're going right in. There's going to be all kinds of fans and people waiting on the outside. Please don't sign anything for them. Please don't. Because if you do and someone else doesn't, it's like they get a bad, just say hello and wave and move in. Just move and keep moving. <laughs> all right, that's what they want me to do. I'll, I'll abide by that. And so um, my wife and I, we're walking, we're walking, and oh, hello, hi, hi, why are you, good? And, we're, and all of a sudden it came to a stop, the line stopped, people in front of us, nothing's moving, so we're stopped there, and there's two girls, probably 12 or 13, you know, with their autograph books, they go, oh, would you please, 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 would you sign this, please, please, and so I go,
0: I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed
1: to. Oh, please, 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 please sign this. Please sign it, please, please. I'm like, OK. And I, <laughs> and I, I, I kind of, OK, sh- 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 and I go, okay give, me, give me the book, give me the book. I don't want anybody to see. Give me the book. And I take the book, and I take her pen. And just before I write, she goes, who are you? <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh. <laughs> worst note a director has ever
1: given you? I did a, I, did a, uh, I don't know if a worst note, but I will tell this story of a, of a I was doing a movie where I was playing a, a very um, a su- suppressed, angry man who um, takes it out on his wife in a in a sexual nature. And it was a very delicate thing. And my acting partner and I were very good together and I wanted to, what, how much, how can we do this? And we talked and talked and talked. And this is even before Intimate uh, yeah, Coordinators, coordinators yeah. Uh, were thing and so we did it ourselves and we just figured this all out and it was a very rough thing to do to start from neutral and get to this point where I'm basically taking advantage of her against her will okay and our director was this very strange British guy (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so uh, he was very 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 odd (laughs) we did this scene we did this scene and, and the makeup and hair and wardrobe people come in because now we're both perspiring. It's that aggressive. And they're mopping us up and I'm checking with her and I go, do you wanna wait a little bit? She goes, no, I wanna do it right away. Let's do it again right away. Because you have to do these things over and over. She goes, I, I would rather do it right away. Okay, good. We, uh, and I tell the first AD, we wanna do it right away. Okay, got it. And we're doing this and we're getting made up. All the while I'm hearing this really kind of nice melodic guitar music in the distance. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know what that was. And so we're, we're mopped up, we're, uh, my, my suit is back on, I'm back together again. We're going, okay, we're going? Yeah, we're going. First day, he's going, well, yeah. Okay, so I'll wait outside. And then we're waiting, waiting. And I'm going, what's happening? Why don't we go? And I, he said, he's, um, he, he's in the other room still, the director. And I go, what, what's happening? We, we wanna go, this is a very serious scene. So, he, well, he's in the other room. I went into the other room. He's playing the guitar. He's like. <laughs> and I go, what are you doing? <laughs> and I, so uh, that was the worst direction I ever got. Yeah,
0: no, <laughs> I'll accept that. Uh, finally, in the spirit of Happy Second fused, an actor that makes you happy, you see them on screen, you're in your happy place. You know you're in for a good time.
1: Uh, Tom Hanks, I think. Yeah. He, he makes me happy. OK. <laughs> Movie that makes you sad? Ooh. Movie that makes me sad. Um. Have you thought one? you thought of one? Can I borrow one? It's A
0: lot. Space Jam, Schindler's List. We got a wide variety of things to choose from. We're going to talk to the Space Jam gentleman later. I'm know, not sure. Space, space Jam. It was sad.
1: Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo.
0: I, I can't. I don't That's okay. What about food that makes you confused? What, Fu- food. You see it on the menu. You see it presented to you. I don't get it. Okay. Fish, fish tacos, <laughs> Fish tacos are delicious. I love fish tacos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what?
0: Confusing. What's confusing to you, sir?
1: I think, um, you know, when, when they use, um, like, awful and, and anything that has to do with organs, brains, right? things like that, I'm, I'm kind of... Sweet breads and all. Sweet breads yeah. and, yeah. I, I'm kind of confused at some, why someone would want to cut a, open a... a, a an animal's liver and no. soak that up and put it... Yeah, yeah. that's kind of confusing to me. Yeah.
0: Well, we found a great way to end, it, end the conversation. <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's my fault, not yours. No, it's...
1: Not.
0: <laughs> um, I can't express to you enough how much I admire your work and how, obviously, a wise, decent gentleman and one of our truly finest actors. Uh, everybody should check out Asteroid City. Um, it's another... Fantastic Wes Anderson enterprise, and this man is exceptional in it, as always. I vouch for it, Dos Hombres, and this man's integrity. Take a rest, but not too long a rest. I'll take a rest. Okay. <laughs> uh, Brian Cranston, everybody, give it up. Thank you so much. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused.